Well, hey there, and welcome to our Sermon Audio Podcast from Mountain View Christian Center, a place to connect. Good morning. I have this just so you guys know I own a real Bible. I'm going to set it right here. Because I use this. If you're wondering where the big scary thing is, um, I feel small behind it, so I hid it in a room off the gym. It'll be back for Pastor Brandon next Sunday, if he can find it. Because he's got two good shoulders now, I don't have to go get it for him. Two weeks ago, I would have been happy to get it for him. We're continuing our series, Pray Like Jesus, and I'm sorry to upset your naming sequence, um, but the title this week will not be Pray Like Jesus 5. I know that's what you guys are hoping. The title this week will be Unity in a Community. So we're going to pray and then we'll jump in. God, we love you. Father, I thank you for your word. God, for the wisdom that is there. I thank you, Jesus, that you taught us how to pray through your prayers, through your time with the disciples. God, I pray today that we would that we would learn from your word, that we would apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I woke up Friday with an awesome cold. Um, I feel better, sound worse. So um, when I was in and out of jail as a corrections officer, because I worked there, um, <laughs> but one of my favorite things to say to people, they're like, yeah, what did you do before ministry? I was like, oh, I was in and out of jail. Did it to Pastor Brandon's brother this weekend when we were there and there. Um, my dad also has worked at the jail for a while, so I used to have students riding with me when we worked with the youth. I'm like, hey, my dad's there. He's like, oh. It's like, it's okay. It gets off at midnight. <laughs> but when I, when I was in and out of jail as a corrections officer, we worked 12-hour shifts, and we rotated with our team. So, like, for a year straight, you worked with the same seven guys or five guys and two girls. And I was part of a great team my last year there. And the inmates knew what to expect from us when there was an issue in one of the inmate areas and we had to go in and take control of the situation. Our team had a few guys that were great at talking inmates down and listening um, and either caring or pretending to care, um, depending on the inmate. We had a a couple guys that always carried a taser, always, always. Like he'd be in the control room where he was never going to see an inmate, but he'd grab a taser. We had that guy. And we had a guy whose nickname was the Hulk. And it wasn't one of those ironic nicknames. He wasn't like 5'6", 140. He was about 6'4", 240. Um, and it wasn't just his size that got him the nickname the Hulk. He, if you get him riled up, he was riled up. I remember one day I, I was working. He was working in the control room so he can see all the inmates pushing buttons. And he's up there. And I just went up to say hi, give him a break. And I was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, hey, can you stay here for a minute? Because he had, he had got on the box to one of the inmates, because the inmates know the guy in the control room can't come do anything. Uh, but he had had some issues with the guy most of the day. So when I came up just to say hi, he took off and ended up at this guy's door. That guy was very surprised, because he's expecting he's still in the box. And then this 6'4", angry guy was at his door dealing with it. And that inmate behaved very well the rest of the day. Um, then we also had me, um, you know, six foot and 175 pounds on a heavy day. I'm, I'm pretty intimidating. I'm pretty big. That's not kind. 
I'm bigger than I used to be. In high school, I was six foot 150 pounds. I put on a lot of donuts. But our team was made up of individuals. But whenever we entered an area because there was a problem, we all knew what the goal was, and we could trust that we'd all be working towards that goal. Our first priority was officer safety, and after that, it was to safely and effectively de-escalate the situation. And we worked as a team. One day, there was a call on the radio that there was a fight in the B unit. We used a musician's alphabet, which is very helpful to me, because that's as far as I know. We had housing units A through G. I think there was an H down the hall, too, but I never checked that one. But A through G, and there was a fight in the B unit, and that's where we kept our maximum security guys. So county and jail, we don't have anybody that's there more than a year, um, but while they're on trial, they're still there. So we have a couple guys in there for murder and other things. And that was this unit, and I got a call on the radio that, that guys were fighting, and I was right outside the door. We have a, a big octagon that leads into the different areas. So I went into B unit. And I reached down deep, and I grabbed my intimidating voice, which I expected a few laughs there again as well. I grabbed my intimidating voice, and I just yelled, get on the ground. And two guys, either of which could have easily pummeled me by themselves, let alone how they decided to work together, laid down, put their hands on the back of their heads. I cuffed one, and somebody else came in and cuffed the other. I had more authority than I really had, because the inmates knew what to expect from our team, our team working together. They knew there was two guys with tasers and the Hulk coming through that door pretty soon. So even though it was me, six foot scrawny, that came in and yelled, they knew that their best option was to lay down. And um, you can ask my wife or my kids, when I, when I actually need to yell, I, I can yell fairly loud. Um, and it was a lot of fun because like later the guys were like, hey, what happened, what did you do? I was like, I just yelled. Because like, nobody else was in there when I yelled, and dudes laid down because they knew that as a team, we had the guys that would work together with the same goal in mind. Like I said, it wasn't because I'm such a big, bad dude. It was because they knew the rest of the team wouldn't be far behind me. Our team had a common goal, and that influenced how the inmates perceived us. So one of us could go in there, but they knew that we were a team. Unity isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. When we work together, we will accomplish more. Whether it's in a team at work, or your school basketball team, or your family, when you work towards a common goal, great things can happen. One of my favorite things to read, like when I'm, I'm playing basketball in a junior high gym on a Friday morning, um, is that poster that says, team, together everyone achieves more. Because as cheesy as it is, it's still true. It's still true when we, when we have a common goal, when we have something that binds us together, we can do great things. Today we are looking at Jesus' prayer for unity in the church. I'm not sure about you, but I know that my prayer life has room to grow. It is too often focused on me, my needs, and my comfort. But if we are going to pray like Jesus, we must be in prayer for unity among believers, both in our local congregation, as well as other churches in town, across the nation, across the world. We must be in prayer for unity among believers. Today we're going to look at part of Jesus' prayer in John 17. John 17, verse 20, if you have a Bible in the pew, you're welcome to turn there. If you have your iPhone, you're welcome to tap it to get there. I guess you're not going to turn anything. But our main passage will be John 17. 
Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, being his immediate disciples that were with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So this prayer, kind of when it takes place, in John 17, it's part of a longer prayer of Jesus after he spent time teaching the disciples um, after the Last Supper. John chapter 18 is when they are in the garden and Judas comes to betray him. So this is right at the end of Jesus' life. This is, this is the last time before he's crucified that he's meeting with his disciples, and this was his prayer for them at that time. And we mentioned that the first part of John 17 deals with Jesus' prayer. Um, his first part of his prayer is for himself and then for the disciples that are with him. But then this last part is for, for everyone that will believe through the words of the disciples. The New Living Translation says it this way, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So if you are a believer in Christ here today, Jesus prayed this prayer for you, specifically for you. Jesus, when he was on this earth, prayed for you. Praying like Jesus means praying for believers and praying for future generations. Jesus first prayed for himself. Then Jesus prayed for those 11 men who had spent three years walking with him and learning with him. But then Jesus prayed for future generations of believers. He prayed for us 2,000 years ago. If we're going to pray like Jesus, it's our responsibility to pray for those who will come after us, both here in Mountain View, for those that will come after us, and just for the church, for power, for strength, for grace, for those who come after us, not just for unity with us but for everything God wants to do until he comes back. We need to pray for generations that will follow after us. One commentator stated, our prayers for the church must not be crowded into a corner of our prayers. It can be easy to be selfish when we pray. How many people like yourself? You can raise your hand, it's okay. It's not, I, I like myself. Kind of figure if I don't, who will? So I like me, I think I'm great. Um, and it's easy to be selfish when we pray because that's what we're concerned about most. That's what's on the front of our mind. We come to God with our petitions, with our requests for health for our family, for financial provision, for the sale of a house, for the sale of a house, for the sale of a house. <laughs> and none of these are bad things to bring before God. He cares for our needs and he's a good, loving Father, and he cares about us. So it's not wrong to pray for ourselves. But the local church plays a huge role in God's plan to reach the world. And it would seem that the church, both our congregation here at Mountain View and any church that believes Jesus is the only way to the Father, would be a priority in our prayer lives. Beyond ourselves, beyond our friends, beyond our health, we must be praying for the church because that's God's plan to save the world. Jesus' prayer is that we should be one. Everybody say, we should be one. You can all hold up one finger, right? 
I know me and Ron can count that high. Hey, Ron, I got a couple more poles over here. We can build the tent later. <laughs> Every week, me and Ron just looking for a couple more poles. Cause, I mean, I guess Polish guys could probably build a two-pole tent. But Jesus' prayer is that believers would be one, perfectly unified. I find it interesting that sometimes it seems like we just expect unity to happen in the church. Maybe that's just me. We just say, well, it'll happen because we all love Jesus, right? It'll happen. Um, There are four people in my immediate family. I can count that, man. I'm good today. Ones and fours. There are four people in my immediate family. And when we go through seasons where we are less intentional of the direction of our family, there's chaos and there's hurt and bitterness creeps in. So if that's the case when you're dealing with four people or just with your spouse dealing with two people, if we have to be intentional there, it's amazing to me that oftentimes we think that in the church with this many people from different backgrounds, that unity would just happen. It takes work in a family or in a marriage. Why would we expect any less in the body of Christ? Even within our own congregation, unity does not come easy but requires hard work. A commentary that I read said that Christian harmony is not based on the externals of the flesh, but the internals and eternals of the spirit in the inner person. Our, our unity is in Christ. We are not all supposed to be the same. Um, if that was the case, I would have had to wear my black cowboy boots to preach, which I actually had on in the car, but decided I didn't want to wear cowboy boots today. Um, because I want to wear my new jeans and the cowboy boots didn't work with the new jeans. But we're all not supposed to be the same. Somebody should probably say amen. I mean, because you don't have to be like me. You're welcome for that. We're not all called to be the same. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in a body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. How weird would it be to see some do this just hands? Like a big hand here. And... That'd be freaky, right? That wouldn't work. He'd probably run into things. He'd probably get real hungry if you don't have a mouth. It's kind of hard to eat. We're different. We're not called to be the same Christ's prayer is for unity, not uniformity. (coughs) Excuse me. The British Dictionary defines unity as, and I use the British Dictionary because I liked it better. I just went to dictionary.com. So it's not because I don't like America. Unity is the state or quality of being one. The act, state, or quality of forming a whole from separate parts and something whole or complete that is composed of separate parts. So unity doesn't mean we're the same. Unity means we have the same goal. Our unity is in Christ and who he is and what he did, not in how we dress, how we act, or how we look. 
The British Dictionary defines uniformity as a state or condition in which everything is regular, homogeneous, or unvarying, or the lack of diversity or variation, especially to the point of boredom or monotony or sameness. So I'm glad that God did not call us to uniformity um, because then we'd all have to wear like the same thing and I probably wouldn't be in charge of picking that. Though, I, from looking out today, we could probably get a vote for plaid to be the thing we wear. So we'd be okay there. But God didn't call us to be the same. He didn't call you and me to be the same. He didn't call us in Christ Community Church or the Nazarene Church in Richfield to reach the same people or to do it the same way. We can look past slight differences in doctrine and work with churches we have. We had Christ Community help us with our egg hunt. We don't have all the same doctrine as them, but they believe in Jesus Christ and they believe in loving our community. So because we share that, we can do that in unity and work together. And actually starting Wednesday, they don't have a youth pastor at Christ Community and they have a few teenagers. So they're gonna have a leader and their students come join us for events and for our Wednesday night youth services. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to be the same, but we're called to walk in unity. I found an article from Eric Geiger. I don't know how to say his last name, but none of you know him, so that's okay. Um, It talks about the difference between unity and uniformity. A church with uniformity gathers people from the same socioeconomic strata, the same cultural background, the same ethnicity, and the same social aspirations. If the unity is based on something other than Christ, folks attend each week with people just like them and miss the joy of true Christian identity. Of, of you out there that are married, how many are glad that your spouse is not exactly like you? It's a good thing, huh? Because if they were... I'd have to apologize to Nikki a lot more than I already do, which is already quite a bit. Uniformity does not require grace, but unity does. We only have Christian unity because Jesus clothes us in his righteousness, though we deserve to remain clothed in our sin. Why is it that we must pray for unity among believers? What's the reason? Verses 22 and 23 of John 17 say, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Our unity is a sign to the watching world of God's love for us. The Greek word translated perfect here can mean to make perfect, to make genuine, complete, to succeed fully, to make it happen. Our unity is a sign to the watching world of God's love for us, and that is why we must be in prayer for unity among believers. Everybody say we must be in unity. I don't know how to read my own writing. It's up there, Turner. We should have just read that one because you guys could have read it and said it right. We must be in prayer for unity among believers. We are the light of the world, and when our lights shine together, the world will take notice. It'll give us an open door. They'll be like, why why do these people treat each other like that? Why do these people get along so well? What is different there? And they'll ask questions, and that will lead them to God. Without unity in the community, what are we showing the world? Um, 
in, in photography, there's, well, not just in, in lights, but specifically for photography, there's different shades of white. Did you guys know that? I don't either. But I read an article, and there's different, different um, shades of, of light. The cool blue light is about 5,500 Kelvins. I don't know what a Kelvin is, but it's how they measure light. And like a warmer yellow light, like these lights would be somewhere around 3,300. And did you know that if you're shooting video, shooting photos, and you have a daylight light at 5,000 Kelvin and a, and a warm light, and you have those both on a person, and uh, you have white balance not set right on your camera, you're going to have a subject that looks either like an alien or like he's a little jaundice. Because those, those lights aren't in unity coming at him. Those lights, if, if you set your camera up for the, for the more blue light to look white, then that dude's going to look yellow. It depends on how your camera's set and the unity in the lights. So on most, I mean, there's, there's artistic ways to use different t shades of light, but for most photos, for most video, you want your lights to be the same. You want to be shining the same color because that will make the person you're shooting a video of or a photo of look like they're supposed to look. It'll not make it hard to look at or weird to look at. It'll make it appealing in the way that it's supposed to look. If we want to pray like Jesus, we must be in prayer for unity among believers. Um, if, if you're not taking notes, but you want to write one thing down, pick that one. Um, if you want to tweet that, Brian, you can. You don't have to. It's up to you. But we must be in prayer for unity among others if we're going to pray like Jesus. As we close our time together today, we are going to take communion. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what a great close to talking about unity. What a great, what a great thing to do as we celebrate together as the body of Christ. This is how we're unified. Not because of how we act, not because of any specific doctrine that we believe, but because of what Christ did for us, because of our trust in him, is what brings us unity. So at this time, Pastor Brandon's going to come and we're going to celebrate communion together. Thank you for checking out our podcast today. For more information, you can find us on the web at www.mountainviewchristiancenter.net.